The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. It's very easy not to take words Seriously enough, words are everywhere in our world, even if it's just 140 characters on Twitter or if it's watching a news feed or if it's reading the paper or whatever it might be, listening to your friends and your family talk. Words are everywhere and it's very easy to take those words without any seriousness. It's very easy for us to speak without any seriousness. So I want to remind you of some things that you said this morning that mean quite a bit. You all spoke on behalf of Tobias this morning, confessing your faith, that you believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is your Lord. And this morning you saw in the waters of holy baptism someone who belonged to the devil change sides, someone who was dead in sin come alive. You saw someone who had no Lord but death suddenly come into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the Lord of Tobias, just as he is your Lord. He's your Lord, not because you chose him, but because he chose you. You say it every Sunday. You say that he is your Lord. You should take it seriously. I'm saying this to you now, not just as a pastor, but also as a father. It matters to me as a father, that you take it seriously. Because you have all promised to help Tobias grow in faith and love, to learn what it means to have Jesus as his Lord. So take it seriously. That's the problem that is attendant in our lessons this morning. A lawyer comes up to Jesus A Pharisee comes up to Jesus and asks him what the greatest commandment is. And he asks it in this nonchalant, flippant sort of way. If you think back to the history of Israel, the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, brought under the lordship of the creator of heaven and earth, out of slavery, out of bondage to Pharaoh. They were brought out through the Red Sea, baptized in the waters of the Red Sea, And they were brought into the wilderness, and there they stood at Mount Sinai, and God gave them his law. 
And if you remember how the story goes in the book of Exodus, God's law is accompanied by all kinds of signs, terrifying signs, thunder and lightning and darkness, and the people trembled. And they stood back and they said to Moses, you talk to God, we can't do it. You talk to God, he is too holy for us. And Moses and God agreed, you're right. Moses went up on the mountain and God gave the people of Israel his law. And it was a terror to them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The Pharisee who comes up to Jesus this morning, he knows the answer to the question, what is the great commandment? He knows it, but he asks it as though it's no big deal. Yeah, that's no problem. Love the Lord your God. If there had been thundering and lightning as there was at Sinai, maybe there would have been a different effect, but maybe not. Those words themselves should thunder and terrify us in our hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. One of the ways to test whether or not you have done this is to ask a few questions of yourself. So often, we like to ask sort of legalistic questions. Well, do I have to do this? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to love my neighbor? Do I have to give to the poor? How much should I give? Is it okay if I do this or that or the other thing? These kinds of questions are the wrong question to ask altogether. We should ask instead these kinds of questions. Have I loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind? How could you tell? Here's one way, a question that often rings true for me. What are you most afraid of losing? What do you love most of all? What are you terrified of losing? Your dear children, your family and friends, your job, your ease, your comfort, your way of life, your security. What are you most afraid of losing? Where does your faith enter into that list? Are you afraid of losing your faith? Do you lay awake at night not worrying about your kids but worrying about your faith? God doesn't invite you to worry about faith. He doesn't invite you to worry about whether or not you have loved him adequately. But pay attention to your heart. What are you most afraid of losing? Or uh, somebody else that I know, another pastor, put it this way. What do you daydream about? So while you're here at church, when your mind starts to wander, where does it go? What do you love more than God's word? It's easy to blame an old liturgy or a boring pastor for daydreams in church. But it really is the fault of our own hearts. Even I, while I stand at the altar, I can't tell you how often it happens that my mind is going to something else while I'm saying these precious words of Jesus. Why can't I pay attention to what Jesus says? It's because I don't love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's because if that's the measuring stick, then I am lost, as are all of you. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as his disciples were with him on the night after he had been betrayed, about to be arrested by the soldiers. He had just given his disciples his body and blood for the forgiveness of their sins. And he takes Peter and James and John and goes off to pray and he asks them to watch. And they fall asleep 
And he says to them, couldn't you stay awake for just one hour and pray? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If we don't reckon with that, if we don't take these words seriously, then we are ignoring the truth of God's word. We're ignoring the state of our own hearts. We're ignoring the thunder and lightning that should accompany God's law. This Pharisee who comes up to Jesus takes it all too lightly. We haven't even begun to talk about what it means to love your neighbor. But Jesus is not there talking to the Pharisee simply to stump him or to put obstacles in his way. In fact, quite the opposite. I am not here this morning to put obstacles in your way. I'm not here to discourage you. So when I say to you that you have not loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you should, I'm not here to lead you into despair. So listen to what Jesus does, how he changes the story. He says, essentially, you're asking the wrong question. If you want to ask about the law, what must I do to be saved? If you're asking about the law, what do I have to do? You're going to get thunder and lightning. So don't ask that question. Instead, ask this. Who is the Christ? The Pharisees knew all of the prophecies about the Christ, the one who had been promised since the Garden of Eden, the one who was to be the son of David, who would sit on David's throne eternally and redeem his people. But the Pharisees were stuck. And so they hadn't understood that if David's son was also going to be David's Lord, then there must be something very peculiar about him, something very different. In fact, there he stands in front of them, Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. The Pharisees couldn't handle it that Jesus forgave sins. They couldn't handle it that he healed on the Sabbath because they couldn't understand that he was God in human flesh that he was there to save them. They were stubborn. They dug in their heels. And when Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the crowds were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of Israel, they said to Jesus, would you quiet them down? They're acting as if you are God. And Jesus says to them, have you not heard that out of the mouths of babes will sound forth praise? And if these did not cry out, the very stones would, because, of course, he is the Son of God. And he has come to save. So this is what it means when you confess every Sunday that Jesus is your Lord. It does not mean that you are giving him your heart every Sunday. You can't do it. Try as hard as you want, you will not succeed. It does not mean that you are giving him yourself, that you are promising to love him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What it means for you to have Jesus as your Lord is for you to welcome him as those crowds welcomed him into Jerusalem. To welcome him into your presence to give you his life. To fill you with his love. To receive him as he loves you with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, with every last drop of blood within him. He loves you. That is what it means to have Jesus 
as your Lord. Which is why having Jesus as your Lord means that he rules over every part of your life. There is no part of your life, no moment in your day that is not under his reign. He has redeemed all of it. There is no part of your life that is hidden in darkness because he has shined light on all of it. And so there is no part of your life where you have to be afraid or worry or tremble in terror at the lightning and thunder because he has saved you from everything that could hurt you. He has saved you from everything that could condemn you. All of the words of the law which would throw you straight into hell, he has rescued you from them by keeping the law for you. This is what Jesus has come to do for you, to be your Lord. What must I do to be saved? That's a question that the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas after the angel set them free. And they didn't escape. They were sitting there in prison and the Philippian jailer thought his life was over because the gates were open. The bars, the, the, the jail cells were open and he assumed all of the prisoners had escaped. And Paul and Silas say, nope, we're still here. Don't hurt yourself. And the Philippian jailer, who had listened to Paul and Silas sing hymns of praise to Jesus all night long, he asks them, what must I do to be saved? And they did not say to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. They simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe that he is your Lord. That he has come to reign over your hearts. There's a part of the psalm that Jesus quotes to the Pharisees. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at, your right, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's what Jesus quotes in our gospel lesson, Psalm 110. It's a messianic psalm. It's a psalm about Jesus, how he will sit on the throne of David. And it says this beautiful, hopeful thing about you and me in our future, in God's kingdom. It says your people, your people will offer themselves freely. Your people will offer themselves freely. This is what it means to have Jesus as your Lord, not to be driven by compulsion, not to be driven by threats, not to be afraid, not to ask, what do I have to do? But to gladly, cheerfully, willingly do what pleases God because he has redeemed you from everything evil. He has bought you back from all sin and from death and from the power of the devil so that you can offer yourselves freely to him. So that when you say to him, I love you, Lord, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. You are not lying because he has won your whole heart. He has saved your whole heart, your whole person. So when you think about what it means to have Jesus as your Lord, when you think about how you can lead an example in your life for all of those who are watching you, not least of all for Tobias, do not ask the kinds of questions that the Pharisee asked in our lesson today. What kinds of things do I have to do? What is the great commandment that I should try to keep? Do not ask those kinds of questions. That's to put yourself with the people of Israel back at Mount Sinai where there's thundering and lightning. That's not where you belong. You belong instead at the foot of Mount Calvary with your eyes fixed on the cross of Jesus. Watching him as he is pierced for your iniquities and wounded for your transgressions where he pours out his blood to rescue you from all your sin. That is where your eyes should be fixed. That's where you see your Lord. Keep your hearts and your eyes focused on him. Hold fast to him. Rejoice in him. Look forward to a kingdom that is founded by him, that is led by him, 
where you will be brought out of everything in this life that holds you back, everything that wears you down and burdens you, everything that you regret, all of the things that terrify you and make you afraid, where you will be set free from all of that because in his kingdom, under his lordship, is perfect blessedness, perfect joy, and perfect peace. To him alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.